And so uh, these people have uh, made application and uh, to become members of the church. And you, for those of you that have been here, you know that uh, we're not one that you have to be a, a member for us to love on you or, or anything like that. But there is something about when people say, you know what, not only am I in, I'm all in. And uh, these people have made that statement. As you know, last week we had some others that we recognized as new members. So how do you know God is up to something, right? And uh, these guys are, are blessing. I, you may or may not have had a chance to get to know them, but we've spent some time with Steve and Kitsy. We've had dinner with them. We've been over their house. We've just had a time of hanging out together and love this couple. And uh, they uh, approached us and said, hey, we want to we wanna be all in. And so we're excited about that. And so um, just I know God has done a work in Kitsy's body. And, uh, you know, for a while she was going through some very difficult times, but she is doing so much. I, I'm so thrilled every time I see you walk in the door with a smile on your face and so forth. And, and uh, I know Steve, God provided an incredible job and just God's, God's at work in their lives. We're excited about that. And then uh, we've got to know Larry. Now, Larry's kind of related to another little neighbor's family over here. You know, he's, he's got a, he's a little connected with them. And, and he showed up, and as we got to know him, just, just an incredible man himself. And he's plugged in and become a part. And last, Sunday before last, on a Sunday night, we went over to uh, our um, Crusaders Connect group, had a steak cookout at Billy and Barbara's house, and we went, and, and uh, Larry was their guest speaker for tonight, and I found out this guy can preach and teach, man. He, he, he tore it up, and so there's just something. God's doing something, and he's bringing this kind of people in to be a part of the body, and so we love you very much, and so we're officially recognizing you guys as as members and not that it wasn't before but those and even those in the first service are all part of of your spiritual family and so i want us to do something i want us to if you would stand with me and let's pray a prayer blessing over them because there is something that comes with this not that we wouldn't be there for anybody else but what they're saying is they're saying this is this is our church family this is our church body and they're stepping in and and they're embracing us and it's our responsibility to embrace them and so when one of us is hurting they're to be there for us and when they're hurting we're to be there for them and that's a part of the process and so i want us to just pray a prayer blessing over them and welcome them as part of the body father lord i just lift larry and this precious couple the Salis up before you. We ask you to minister to them. We ask you to touch them. Lord, today we recognize the step that they're taking. Lord, they've, they've gone through the whole process. And Lord, we've, we've seen the evidence of your work in their lives. And so Lord, we welcome them in with open arms and we love them and we care for them. And Lord, we ask your blessing to be upon them. Lord, as now, as we're stepping through this and they're become a part of us and us part of them, Lord, that we're going to continue to walk and we're going to continue to see your hand work. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Lord, may they know your blessings and may they they know that they're loved and that they're cared for. And Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a hand as they return to their seats. That's exciting, isn't it? God is definitely up to something. We're so glad that you are here this morning. This morning, we're going to be uh, kind of starting a little bit of a new series. How, who can believe that here we are I mean, we're talking Thanksgiving is just around the corner, and we know Christmas is right on the heels of that. Where did 2019 go? And here we are, and we're standing at that as we were looking at that, and we thought, I thought, you know, what is it about the harvest? Last week, I thought it was great that we got to welcome some some other members in, and we got to baptize four people, and, and God's doing work in their lives, and then, then we got to all share communion together, and just God has been, been in all that. And so I was thinking about this whole idea of the harvest. And so I've given today's message the title, Good Works, Good Fruit. How many know that anybody ever have a garden? When you have a garden to get good fruits, it takes what? Good works. You have to work at it. And so there's something exciting about that. And so last week we baptized some people and just we see all the things that are happening. And, and I was reminded of a story about a little girl that was actually attending her very first baptism. She wasn't all that old and she was sitting in the service with her family and they had the baptism tank in place and they were baptizing people. And of course, this, she wasn't didn't really understand everything that was going on and as she was watching all of a sudden she sees the pastor take the man that came down front and just put him down under the water 
And she leans over to dad. She goes, dad, did you see what he just did? He just pushed that man down in the water. So the father trying to, trying to calm her down a little bit and trying to give a little bit of explanation of what's going on said, well, you know what? You know, he kind of gave her a little something, but being in the midst of the service, he didn't want to get into it. So he finally got her calmed down a little bit, but he could, he could tell through the whole service she was distressed by what she saw. So they were headed home, and he decided, well, now's the time to have a little bit of a discussion of what this really means because I can talk a little louder. We can express. So she begins to explain. She says, she says honey, you know, Sometimes as people, we do bad things. And when we do bad things that breaks God's law, we call that sin. And when we have sin, Jesus came to take that sin away. And so what was happening is that because they asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, he was putting them into the water. And so they were put, they're being, in a sense, being put in the water as bad people with sin and being raised up as clean people that from then on would try to live their life and do good he was pretty proud of his explanation and his daughter said they were continuing with a puzzled look on her face and finally she said daddy why doesn't pastor bob just spank him so she didn't quite get it there is something about that. There is something about being a part of the family of God. There is something that God called us to do and things that God called us to be, and he desires to do an incredible work in our hearts and in our lives. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to be in the midst of his will and to see his hand at work. And so we just believe that God wants to move. You see, when we become a part of his family, we need to walk in that. We talked about being a part. Last week we take, took communion and we celebrated all that. We said that there was something about being a part of the family of God. That when literally we take communion together, that we're saying that we're because of the blood of Jesus Christ, that we're blood relatives. And there is something in that that is so powerful. But you know, there is something about not only being a blood relative, but there is something about being in the midst of a business, a family business years ago I went and uh, had a Kim and I hadn't been married that long how many ever heard of the old Spiegel catalog right I mean our last things spelled the same and everything you don't see it much anymore but I did find out that they actually still have a website available and you can still order stuff and there's still a couple of outlet malls that have a, a store and some things like that but years ago we had, hadn't been married that long and we went to a uh, we went to a outlet mall. I can't remember which one we were at, but we have, were walking around, and we saw a Spiegel outlet, and so we went inside, and, uh, and I found a sport coat that I really liked, and it was really being discounted very well. And I was like, you know what? I'm buying that coat. And so it was great. The service was pretty good and so forth. And then I walked up to the counter to pay for that jacket, laid it on the counter, pulled out my American Express card, and laid it on the counter that said David Spiegel. They picked up the card and looked at the card and read my name, and the service all of a sudden jumped to a whole other level. Now, as far as I know, there's no direct connection, but in their mind, I guess, that, that somehow, because that was my family name, that that meant I had a connection with them, that that was kind of the family business. Because you, I mean, I have never seen so many people wait on it. I mean, for just a jacket to help us get it packaged, get it out the door, you know, all the stuff that took place. It was just an interesting experience. But you know, that may not have been the case, but when we take on the name of Jesus Christ, we are a part of a family. And our family has a business, and that business is the harvest. It's the harvest. And you'll have to forgive me, my screen has just crashed here, so I'm going to have to operate from that back screen. So if you can try to stay one step ahead of me, it would be great. 
This morning, what I want us to look at is simply this. We must see the harvest through the blood relationship in Christ. See, Jesus, what did he say? He said to look unto the harvest. And when he said to look unto the harvest, we have to see it. How many know that to, to see it? He said, lift up your eyes and see that the, that the fields are white to harvest. And if we don't look at that, if we don't lift up our eyes, we have to look at it through that blood relationship. The harvest is the family business. It's what we're supposed to do. It's what we're supposed to be a part of. And I realize so many times we hear people try to say, you know, well, that's the, the harvest, the outreach, those kind of things aren't, aren't my, uh, my cup of tea. I, I'm, this is not how I'm wired. But it is supposed to be our family business. And we're supposed to all be a part of that. I have a... A lot of you know Mike Powell. He's the pastor at First Assembly of Vaughan, and we do things together several times as churches. And, and uh, uh, a couple years back, Mike's dad, Altus, passed away, and I've known Altus Powell for a long, long time. Just a neat, neat, neat guy. But what you probably didn't know, Mike Powell's a, a pastor, but his family business growing up was septic systems. And and I've had multiple people tell me this story, but you'd have to know Altus. He's just the neatest guy, and, of course, he's enjoying his time with Jesus now. And, but uh, the story goes that, that they were walking along, and they were doing a job, and somebody made the statement and said, Altus, I don't know how you do this day in and day out. How do you put up with the smell? And he stopped, and he took a deep breath, and he goes, smells like money to me. See, there's something about even though the labor may be difficult when you're in the family business, there's something that should affect our our attitude and, and there's so much that we need to be a part of in that. We have to look at that. Let's look at uh, John 4.35. says this, Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest look i tell you lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest so this morning what i want to look at the first point i want to make this isn't going to be a long one. it's just going to be a little two-point message this morning now, i'm not saying it's going to be short i'm just saying it's going to be two points <laughs> but he said he said you know as i was thinking about that I thought, you know we've got to have harvest eyes we need to walk through this life, this relationship with him through, and look at and see things through harvest eyes. And the question I want you to ask yourself is, do I have harvest eyes? Because we all get busy. We all go about our stuff. We all walk through things in our life and we face things. But are we walking through them? Are we living them out with our eyes looking for the harvest? It is so easy to get caught up in our day-to-day stuff. It is so easy to let those, the busyness, to let our own concerns. You know, don't you know that our enemy loves to keep us stirred up? Because if he can get our eyes off the harvest and on our circumstance, then he can, in a sense, retard the progress of the church. I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. See, there are times, but there's something that happens when even beyond our circumstances, we still keep our eyes on the harvest. Something powerful that happens. You know, we, we all enjoy the harvest, don't we? I mean, I love last Sunday. I mean, we even had extra people that came to, to see, and, and both services had a nice full feel to them. And we had the tank sit in place. And as we baptized people, the celebration and the clapping and the joy that took place, and then the welcoming in and new members, it was so neat to see that even from the very first note of the very first worship song in each service, there was just an atmosphere of celebration because we love seeing the harvest. We love seeing people come. We love seeing life in the church. But yet sometimes we don't have the same enthusiasm for the harvest. Because the harvest takes work. The harvest takes seeing that the fields are ripe. And it's so easy for us to lose sight of that. If you don't have an eyes for the harvest, if you haven't lifted up your eyes, then maybe it's time. 
But I love the first part of that verse that, that, you know, it says, do you not say four months into the harvest? And, and that's one of those things that I've looked at many times. And as I've thought about that, I thought, you know what? That's really kind of the excuses that we have. How many know that we have excuses? How many know there are times that we, that we look out and we say, you know what? I know that it's harvest time, but you know what? I really don't think it's harvest season. I can't help it when I thought of that. I thought of, of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck saying rabbit season, duck season, rabbit season, you know. Too many times we don't understand the season that we're in, and in Christ it's always harvest season. Do we need to set our excuses aside? We all, we're so good at saying, well, I'll get to that tomorrow, or it's not exactly the right season or the right time, and we put it off and we put it off and we put it off, and we don't really get about the business of the harvest. But that is the family business. That's what God desires us. That's why he hung on the cross was for the harvest. Because when we're, when we're harvest procrastinators, and we all probably need to raise our hands on that one, somehow tomorrow never comes. That thing that we're looking for. You know, next time when I have this together, I'm going to get involved in that. And then that comes and we don't do it. Let me tell you this, Jesus always, always has ripe fields that need working. And if we will open our eyes, there are those that even though we may think it's impossible, that he has brought to ripeness, that he's got them ready. Because he always has fields that are ripe. there's, There's fields that need working, and we need to open our eyes because we know that there's something that he's up to because his cultivating of the harvest is a nonstop work. It never ends. It never quits. He's constantly working on hearts. He's constantly working on people's attitudes and positions, and the ripe harvest doesn't always look like you think. There are people that you would look at on the surface and you say, there is no way. And then come to find out God's been working on them all along and they're ripe for the harvest. And all they're waiting on is the person to see that that field is ripe and to be the vessel that speaks the right thing. Because you know what? He's already brought their life circumstances to where they realize how desperately they need him. He's already sent people to cross their path that have said the right things in the right time. They begin to think through and they begin to process. The Holy Spirit has already been working on them. And we don't see that. There's no arrow above their head that's pointing like this. There's none of that stuff. But somehow... God opens the door and gives the right opportunity. Sometimes you say something in kindness and you begin to meet somebody and all of a sudden they're spilling all their guts of their whole life out there in front of you and it's just laid out in front of you and all that is waiting is for somebody to step across the line and say, have you considered asking Christ to be your Lord and Savior? And so many times when those things happen, we meet it with, I'm not ready. That's outside of my comfort zone. When he's laid the harvest available, that is the family business. There's fertile ground that you may not have considered. You know, we need to broaden our perspective of what the harvest field looks like. Back in the children's department, It's a harvest field. Our youth department is a harvest field. Outreaches that we do are a harvest field. Even loving people as they walk in the door that have never been here before and making them feel welcome and a part is a part of the harvest field. That's just beginning to make them say, you know what, this may be a place where I'm safe and loved. The harvest field looks in so many different directions. And so the question is, where is your harvest field? 
Matthew 9.38, Jesus talking about this. How many know that Jesus talked about the harvest a whole lot? And so for us to say that it's not something that we're necessarily supposed to be involved in, that's just, that's ridiculous. He says this, Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And notice what he says there. He says, pray for workers. Now, I know that part of what he's saying is pray that the Lord will send workers. But you know, I think he's also saying to pray for workers. I know that when you're involved in ministry, when you're involved in in touching and speaking into lives and and you've rolled up your sleeves and you've become a part of something, that there's, there's an enemy that doesn't like that. And there's always distractions that come. There's always difficulties to face. There's always stuff that happens. And so we need to be praying for all those that are working. That God would bless them and touch them and help them and help them to endure. And then, and then when somebody that has no business saying anything comes up and rips them over something they feel like they did wrong when they're just trying to serve God, you pray that God would encourage them and lift them up and give them the perseverance to press on. But then there's the other part where he says, pray for more workers. Pray for people to catch the harvest vision. I love what happens here, though, is he says, pray earnestly. Okay, that's not just a little two-second prayer, right? Lord, send helpers. Lord, bless them. Send somebody to help them. Now, praying earnestly is a little deeper than that. How many know when you have some situation in your life that you're praying earnestly for, it's a little bit more than a two-second prayer, right? We need to be praying that he'd send workers. But also, I want you to notice something. Jesus has this conversation with his disciples. He's saying, pray that harvesters or workers will be sent into the harvest field. But if you look at it and you, you look at the very next thing that happens, Jesus said, pray for that. But then he also pulled them all together and said, okay, now, pray for workers of the harvest. But now, I'm giving you authority to cast out demons. I'm giving you authority to heal people. I'm giving you authority to go and to speak in my name. And so he said, pray, and then the next thing he said is go. Was it? We're so good at, oh, that needs to be, I'll pray for you. I won't get close enough to touch it, but I will stretch my hand out towards that and pray for you. Jesus follows it up with go. Get involved. Roll up your sleeves. I have given you authority. We need to walk in that. We need to understand that Jesus called them together and he gave them a power and he gave them authority and he sent them after saying to pray for our workers. We need to pray nonstop. We need to pray, and and yet we need to not let the enemy cause us to fall short of stepping in. We need to find our place. I'm probably going to get in a little bit of trouble here, but I'll do it anyway. It's always interesting to me. We can say, we're doing a fellowship cookout. (laughs) We're going to reach out to the community. Where's everybody at? Supposed to be here 20 minutes ago. Something's not right with that picture. There ought to be an urgency for the harvest. Pastor Nate earlier mentioned November 23rd. There's a little community of houses just right over here, the other side of 66, back in there that Mitzi's been going to for a few months now, just on Thursdays, taking some food and stuff to some people that live there. It's kind of a low-income housing. There's people that are really in kind of difficulty. So she's kind of broken the ice, and she's kind of gotten to know them. And we were really praying about what can we do? Where Because, you know... Rockwall's like, where can you get in that you can really make a difference? And we begin to see this. And so as Pastor Nate talked about it, on November 23rd, from noon to 2, 
We're going to go over there. We're going to make sure that they have everything they need for Thanksgiving meals themselves, but we're also going to feed them that day. We're going to have kind of a little block party. We're going to get the people together. We're going to love on them. We're going to care for them. We're going to cook for them. We're going to do some music and some things and begin to make a connection with them. And we don't plan on this being a one-time thing. We want to continue that connection. We want to continue to see that there is a harvest field that is ripe, that is right there. And we want to reach in and our goal is, or what we our underlying goal is, we want to get some people plugged in, and then on the Sunday before Christmas, we want to surprise bless some of them with Christmas for their families. So I'm telling you, put November 23rd on your calendar, and let's show up and let's show people that we care about the harvest. Let me ask this. How many of you were brought into the kingdom because somebody took the time to reach out to you? See your hand. I'll never forget. I was raised in church, but I was a teenager, and I was kind of in that in-between state, and there was some guys. There was about three or four guys. They were part of the church softball team. And they had a program on Wednesday nights that they called Royal Rangers. Now, it wasn't really much Royal Rangers. It was more softball practice. But there was something about young men that I could look up to that loved God, that wanted to spend time with me. Even it was just throwing a ball around and hitting the ball and all those things and just just having that that little bit of time of exercise because you know when you're that age man you want to go you want to do stuff and they would sit us down at the end and give us a little devotion we didn't work through the rewards and stuff that that came later as it got a little more developed but you know what i remember more than anything was that those guys cared and they were there and because of that, it made me, I developed a relationship. And there was the, some of those men were some of the early mentors in my life besides my parents. They were so important. And because they reached out to me, I said, you know what? I want to live this thing out. Let's look at James 2.17. James says this, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. No, we're not saved by good works, but I will say this, we are saved for good works. See, our enemy desires to keep us blind to the harvest. He wants to get us so focused on our stuff. And, and, and we need to, yes, we need to pray for the harvest, but we also need to see the fields. We need to roll up our sleeves and get involved and work the fields. Matter of fact, if you see something, that is not being done, God probably showed you that for a reason. can't tell you how often I see, you know what, this, the church really needs to get something started in that. Somebody needs to do this ministry. And I'm like, I'm not oblivious to that. But if you can show me that person, let's go. I wonder how many times we see something like that, it's because God is speaking to you to do something about it. And instead of getting involved, well, somebody somebody needs to do that over there. I got, <laughs> I laugh at this now, but there was an individual, not at this church, but another church, and I was just a staff member at that time, and this person was always, always picking things apart. This wasn't done up to standard. That wasn't done up to standard. You know, all, all this stuff and just, it's never ending. Finally, one day, I just had enough. And they got on some things and I finally said, you know what? And I was surprised I didn't get in trouble for this, but I didn't. <laughs> I said, you know, let me tell you something. Critiquing and complaining is not a spiritual gift. I know you think it is, but it's not. 
a senior pastor said, actually, you're right. I've been wanting to say that for a long time. <laughs> but the truth is, we need to pray for our harvest eyes. And sometimes when he shows us things, he's saying, I want you to plug in there. That's a place where you can fit. That's a place where you can become a part. So my last point this morning is that harvesting takes works. I'll never forget, right, my, my grandfather worked garden. Once he retired, especially, he always had this huge garden that he took care of. And uh, they had a little place with some land in Mount Olive, Alabama, and the, the, the soil was really rich there, and, and, and just the garden he had, I mean, the stuff they grew, so good. I mean, when we went to visit, we ate well. And it was good stuff. I mean, it was, it was my grandmother's home cooking, and that lady could cook. But I remember going to visit, and several times we would sit there, and we had to kind of help prepare the meal. We'd be watching TV or something in the evening. We'd all had a little bowl, and we were snapping peas and doing stuff to, you know, get part of it. It was going to be part of the next day's meal. But you know what I miss? I know that it took labor. I know that my grandfather worked it and worked it and worked it. But, I mean, he would pull tomatoes out of there that, that you'd one slice. I, back then, I loved tomato sandwiches. I just can't find a tomatoes today that match that taste. But, I mean, one slice would hang out the sides of the bread. And, man, it's, it's good stuff. Juicy. But it took labor. It took effort. It took works to, to make that a part of it. See, true faith is faith that works. James 3.13, this was, this was actually when I started this, this was going to be my main text for today, and then this is I got through processing thing, it kind of went a different direction than I was expecting. But I want you to see something that it says here. James 3.13, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. I underlined, show his works in meekness and wisdom. See, works are a part of this thing. No, we're not saved for them, but we're supposed to be a people that is involved in the harvest. We're supposed to be a people that works. The church that is alive works. A couple of years back, a group of us had a chance to to get into Cuba, a chance to do some work. Trust me, we worked. I don't know that I've ever worked as hard as we worked on that Cuba trip. And I used to work construction. And what we were there for was to help build a, a church. Now, a, a church there had some property that they got in use of. They had starting a building project, but, but unlike here, you, you, I mean, if a church is going to do anything there, they've got to have the money to do it. They can't run to the bank and borrow the funds. The people are so poor, they can't take up a collection. They literally had spent eight years trying to build this church just on what they could pull together. Lord laid it on our heart. We had an opportunity to, to get into this communist country, and so we got in, and, and we had an opportunity. We took $10,000 with us. Now, that is not, that's not going to go too far here in building a building, but it went a long ways there. And so we showed up, and literally to get the $10,000 in, we, had, we were told that, that the easiest thing in American currency to, to pass there and get done is crisp, brand-new $100 bills. They want brand-new ones because they don't want to make sure. They want to make sure it's not counterfeit. And so I went to the bank. I've never gotten $10,000 in $100 bills before, but we did once we raised the funds. And so we broke it up among everybody on the group so that each one of us were under the cap that we could get in. And when we got in, we assembled it all together and presented it to the church. That opened up the door to buy all kinds of materials and things they would never have been able to afford. 
But it was a different project. Here we were working, and the, the whole thing behind it was that all the modern tools and things that, that we would use to, for a project like that weren't available. As a matter of fact, any extra tools we, we used like that, we had to take in ourselves. That was fun getting that stuff through customs. We just happened to not bring it back out with us. But the point being is we're there, we're working, we're doing all this stuff by hand, and we're laying concrete and blocks and things. And, and when there was a section of concrete that needed to be busted out, it wasn't, hey, let's rent a jackhammer. No, it was, hey, let's form a line with two sledgehammers and knock it out. When it was time to pour the concrete, and a, yeah, a little mixer, I mean, a little small gasoline engine right there in the middle of the street was set up, and we had to lug the bags of concrete out by hand. We had to put it in, had to shovel in the, the, the sand and the rock and stuff, and they had to mix it just right, and then they were done. They literally would just dump it out in the middle of the street, and we had to shovel it into wheelbarrows. They were then taken over where a little bit of it was poured into a five-gallon bucket, and since we were working on the second story, Literally, matter of fact, at one point we were pouring up on the roof of the second source. So really, it was like three flights up. And literally, I I remember standing there like all day. I mean, just this line of us, and we're reaching down below us and grabbing a five-gallon bucket of concrete and lifting it up to the person above us all day long in the heat. Man, I would go to bed at night wore out but somehow the next morning God gave me the energy to turn around and do it all over again it was working in the harvest field but you know what was so cool we wrapped up our part matter of fact because of the help we were able to give they are meeting in that building today the church is built still get communications from them. But the neatest thing was, is as we're wrapping it up, the last night we were there, they kind of threw this big celebration and had a, they had scraped together funds and got a big, giant pig that they roasted on an open fire and brought in all the, man, we ate like kings that night. And we celebrated all the labor and the work. But part of what made it was worth it was there's an older guy that was kind of the head of, he had, was experienced in construction, so he was kind of making sure things were done according to the way they needed to be done. Not by our standards at all, but they were done. It was solid. And he made the comment the last night through an interpreter. He said this. He said, everything we're told about Americans is that they're lazy and entitled. said, you guys have changed our minds. And then he did, he and Billy kind of hit it off. They were about the same age range. And, and it was so cool. He reached up, and I noticed that he had had this medal on, and it's a medal that he was given for a project he was a part of for the government. He pulls the medal off and walks over and pins it on Billy. In just that moment, I was like, all the sweat, all the difficulty, everything that we went through that whole week was more than worth it. Left with memories, knowing that that church is now established, that church is reaching people for the cause of Christ because we rolled up our sleeves and we got into the business of works for the harvest. There's a power in that. But it says to do this stuff with meekness and with wisdom. Meekness means humility and gentleness. Wisdom means good judgment and sense. See, we're supposed to humbly use good judgment when we do these things, you know, because it's so easy to, to overdo certain things. You know, God doesn't need us to walk into a circumstance. Now, there's occasions... There's occasions when the Holy Spirit has prodded me to call something what it is. But for the most part, 
people know what their sins are. They know what their shortcomings are. They don't need us to show up and announce those things to the world. What they need is somebody to love them and show them there's a better way, to approach them with meekness, approach them with gentleness, show them love, and help them find the way. That's what God asks us to do. I want to look at James 3, 14 through 16 as we wrap this up today. And we're going to get into this a little more next week. But talking about what we just saw in verse 13, James goes on. He says, but, remember he's talking about your works with meekness and gentleness. He said, but, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast and be false to the truth this is not the wisdom remember you're talking about wisdom this is not the wisdom that comes down from above but it's earthly unspiritual demonic for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist there will be disorder in every vile practice how many know that selfish ambition can get in the way of the harvest. It's, it's, it's when we promote our own interests above the interests of the body of Christ. When we want to make a name for ourselves instead of lifting up his name. And then he goes on and he calls it uns, unspiritual. Now, to me, unspiritual is like, okay, they were doing it in, in their own ability. They weren't being spiritual. But really, if you look at it, it goes deeper than that. What it's saying is they were doing it without the Holy Spirit. And then it says it's demonic. In other words, it's inspired by demons. Living with selfish ambition is, is, is just the opposite of what it wants. The best way to feel a part of the family is to get into the family business. We must see the harvest through our blood relationship in Christ. It's a piece of paper that was on the seat around you. We do a um, monthly prayer model in this church, and it's not... It's not something that we normally do in the service, but we just talked about praying for the harvest. So I think there's a power in praying for the harvest. First of all, I want to challenge you to keep this. I want to challenge you to put it in your Bible. I want to challenge you to, through this next month, several times pull this out and pray through it. Because if we're supposed to be praying for the harvest, we pray that God will do the work. This morning, we're going to take a few moments and pray through it. And I want you to understand, the, the key of these prayer models is not to script how you pray. But I can't tell you how often I'm asked the question, I just really struggle in, in praying like that. Or like, we'll start out by taking Scripture, breaking out and praying Scripture. And so this is really meant to be more a tool. I'm not saying you got to pray it just like this. I'm just saying absorb what it says, let it speak to your spirit, and then pray through it in your own way. Let's look at this for a moment. Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, we read that earlier. But you know what? Jesus died to pave the way for a plentiful harvest. And the issue really is those that are willing to jump in and be a part of working that harvest. And we must work and we must also pray for the harvest. So I want us to pray. You have a sample prayer there. I want us together to pray that just in our own way, in your own words. But I want us to lift that up. I want us to pray for the harvest right now. Lord Jesus, we do come before you. We ask you, Lord, to motivate our hearts. 
Lord, not out of compulsion, but Lord, motivate us. Lord, give, shift our hearts, change our way of thinking. Help us, Lord, to see the harvest field for what it is. Let us begin to work those things as you desire for us to work them. Lord, I, we do. We pray for more people to be called into the harvest field. We pray for more people to see the fields and to get involved and do what they need to do. But Lord, we also ask you to help change our attitude. Lord, help change our focus, Lord, so that we will do the same to the lives and and to the believers around us, Lord. Motivate your church to be in the harvest business. Jesus' name. John 3, 16. We all should know it pretty well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not die but have everlasting life. you know what? God loves the world. And he's not talking about the planet. He's talking about the people. And it's not just the church that he loves. And the thing that hit me is that Jesus did the uncomfortable because of his love for the people. I don't know about you, but I think hanging on a cross was probably pretty uncomfortable. And yet so many times, just because something's a little bit outside of our comfort zone, oh, I can't do that. We need to allow ourselves to be stretched outside of our comfort zone to where, to the place that that becomes comfortable. So let's pray for that. Lord Jesus, give us a fresh revelation of your love. Give us a fresh revelation of who you are. Lord, help us to be willing to step outside of our comfort zone. Help us to be willing to roll up our sleeves and become a part of the harvest field. Let us work the things that we need to work, Lord Jesus, so that you can move among us and move through us. And Lord, we ask you to do these things and minister to us in the name of Jesus. Lord, let us, let us step out of our comfort zone. Let us get, embrace the uncomfortable and reach the ones that you loved by giving your very life. In the name of Jesus. Verse 17, For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We all know that Jesus' desire is salvation. He wants to save the world. And... and the world needs to be saved through him. And, and each of us has a place. Each of us has a place that he desires for us to be in his harvest field. So I just want us to pray that he'd reveal that to us. That he would correct our wrong attitudes. Can we do that? Father, we do come before you. Lord, reveal to us where we're wrong. Reveal to us where we're off. Lord, align our thinking to where it should be. Lord, that our attitudes about your mission, Lord, will come into right relationship with who you are and what you have done. Lord, you shed your blood for each and every one of those and Lord, we ask you to use us. Lord, help us to to execute your plan for reaching the lost. Lord, there are things that you have set in order by your strategic ability that you desire to do. And Lord, all you need is some people that will partner with you, that will roll up their sleeves, that will become a part. Lord, you can turn this community upside down. You can turn our families upside down, or really right side up, if we will just yield to your ways, Lord, and do our part. In Jesus' name. Verse 34 and 35. I love Jesus' comment here. He made this at the well when he was talking to the Samaritan lady at the well. He said, my food, said Jesus, is due to the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more than the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Doing God's will is truly what sustains us. We think of all these things that we feel like we've got to chase after, all these things we feel like we've got to have, and Jesus says, our Father knows that we need those things. 
But the thing that will really give us fulfillment, the things that will really sustain us is when we know we're standing right in the middle of his will. And we're doing his labor. And we need to quit procrastinating. We need to start saying, well, it's not the season. It's not harvest season. It's always harvest season in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, let our witness... Well, let our witness be accompanied by the supernatural. You've given us the gifts of the Spirit. You've given us the power. You've given us the authority. You told us to pray for workers to come in the harvest field. But, Lord, you've also called us to be a part of that. And, Lord, you always equip those that you've called. Lord, we will not lack any good thing. Just like when you sent them out, Lord, and, and you told them that you gave them authority. And they came back and you asked them the question, did they lack anything? And the answer was no. Lord, we do not lack anything any good thing we're walking in the midst of your will and so lord let us put aside the excuses let us set those things aside let us walk in the fullness of who you are let us be a part of that let us roll up our sleeves let us get in the harvest business lord is the family business lord let us we are bought and paid for you by your blood. We are blood relatives in Christ. And so, Lord, let us be in the message. Lord, you see where each and every one of us are. Lord, I pray right now for every person that is sitting here this morning that you would just show them, Lord, there is a place where they can plug in. There is a place where they can be a part of the work of the harvest. There is a place where they can begin to make a difference. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open up our eyes. Lord, I pray that even as we lead today, Lord, whether we go to a restaurant or whatever we do, that we would walk through life with harvest eyes that we would be looking for a place where the fields are ripe. We'd be looking for a place where we can speak life into a situation and a circumstance and we can make a difference in somebody's life. Lord, who knows who you've already been working on? Who knows who's right there at the door and all they need is somebody to show them the love of Christ and they're just ready to write it in there, Lord, to give their life to you. And so, Lord, we ask you to do these things according to your will and your purpose. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Love you guys. And let's just get about the business of the harvest. Can we do that? Let's become harvesters. God bless you.